Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball teams of all time. And uh, we are coming off a really fantastic quarterfinal round for our greatest teams tournament challenge. And um, Tim, I got to say, these matchups, uh, some of them were... Well, frankly, all of them were very surprising, I think, whether in one way or another. Um, you know, we had some real, like, shocking blowouts in a couple of cases. And then, you know, 2006 versus 2009 was as competitive as we hoped it would be. And uh, I don't know. It was it was fun. Uh, what do you think of the how, how things went down in the quarterfinals last week? I kept watching the poll results come in, and I was I was really stunned. Like you said, the, the blowouts that we got with, uh, with 99 beating 95 by I think that's got to be one of our highest margins of the entire bracket right with that 93.2 percent it was it was it was a 93 to 7 percent and that is the biggest blowout of the field so far uh, in fact by a fairly considerable margin uh, 2011 beat 2005 in the first round 90 to 10 but like I, I wasn't expecting we'd see 90s again this late but no we actually had it to happen twice 2004 also beat 96 91 to 9 which was I mean that I Look, I thought 2004 would win, but I was not expecting. I was not. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Ray Allen, man, not getting much respect at this late stage, huh? He's his, both of his teams got smashed. But uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it, I thought the. I thought yeah, I thought we'd maybe have one or two that ended up in that high 70s range, but you know, I thought the ones that were in the 90s would be there. I. I was surprised by the one that actually was at 78 to 22, which was 2011, you know, obviously huge credit to Kemba and the national champs, but to beat 98 the way they did, I thought that was pretty surprising too. And pretty surprising because that's not how it was trending for most of the week. Uh, early, early on 98 was actually winning. And eventually I think, I, I guess once word really got out, I think most of the people who voted early are probably the people who like are pretty like hardcore 90s stands. So like, and frankly, that that's a, I thought that was a toss up. I really wasn't sure which way it would go. But then I think once like the larger Yukon fandom, apparently people really respect 2011. I, I kind of had the vibe that like, maybe they would be considered like, well, you know what? They're like Kemba, but is the rest of the team really that, you know, really that talented? Could they really hold up? No. Well, apparently they can. And, they, and you know, good shout out for them. You know, 2014, that yeah. certainly was not the case for them. So <laughs> <laughs> 2011 uh, moves on to the, uh, to the semifinals and, um, and yeah, and re- honestly in the match of the, the tournament, I think probably this is the best that's we're probably, I'd be surprised if we get one this close again. Um, in 2009 survived 2006, uh, 52 to 48. And that was like a 50, 50 thing pretty much all the way across. Um, you know, it was 51, 49 for a while is, it was it was very it was a very very competitive match. In fact, one that 2006 early on was also winning, and then you know what? I think just when you get two teams quite this dominant, I guess finally we got an even match, and uh, I think the right team won. 2009, I feel like is is one of the four best teams in UConn history, and I think uh, you know our results reflected that. I was yeah, we were just definitely. talking before we started recording. It's wild. Like there has only been one upset in this entire thing. I'm honestly <laughs> shocked by that. Can you believe that? <laughs> 2014 losing to 95 in the first round in the 8-9 matchup. That's the only upset we've had. Every single it's been chalk all the way otherwise. It's unbelievable. Yeah, this is this was such a well-seated bracket. I think that it's really reflected in these results and 
you know, like you said, that 2009-06 matchup was outstanding. I mean, that's the game that we all would have loved to have seen play out in real life. And um, I think the conversation around it was excellent. And I think when the bracket was made before we even got this thing started, I think we were all eyeballing this quarterfinal matchup. And we were like, this is going to be a slugfest. This is going to be the matchup of the entire tournament and it lived up to the hype and i like i said i think the conversation around it was awesome the the back and forth about who would win this game how they would win this game was really good and you know i i i think i i think you're right i think the i think the right team ended up winning yeah and of course 2004 uh as expected but maybe not in quite the dominant a fashion they move on as well 91 to 9 so Shout out for Ray Allen. Thanks for playing, but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, just like in his college basketball career, uh, failed to make the Final Four. But it's okay. He's in the Hall of Fame and has a bunch of championship rings in the, the pros. So Ray <laughs> Allen's doing just fine. Um, but yeah, so we do have our Final Four. And I, I think, you know what? It's the top four seeds all made it. I think this is pretty definitive, like... These are the four best teams in UConn history. I feel I feel pretty confident in that. 2011's performance in this, I think, is not that they needed the validation, but I was concerned about how much respect they would get. Clearly, yeah. clearly they're clearly people respect them plenty. So, in our first semifinal matchup, we have 1999 versus 2011. Kemba versus Rip Hamilton and. Uh, Ironically, actually, in a manner of speaking, a rematch of their quarterfinal matchup because 2011 <laughs> beat the 98 team. And what is the 99 team? But basically the same group of individuals except one year older and one year better. So um, we'll have a good talk on that. And then I think really this is a, you know, we talk about 2006 versus 2009. This this one may be if just as good, if not better. 2004 versus 2009. The 2004 national champions led by Emeka Okafor against the 2009 Final Four team led by Hashim Thabit. And, you know, between those two teams, you have uh, a lot of talented players, a lot of very intimidating, athletic, awesome, just beloved players. I'm looking very much forward to talking about that one. Um, a so, lot of NBA talent on that floor as well. It's going to, yeah. Uh, that's, boy, you talk, about a, you talk about a matchup of, uh, you'd want to see that at Madison Square Garden. I'm, yeah. Give me, yeah. sign me up for that like yesterday, please. <laughs> so, um, so why don't we start with 99, 2011? Cause, um, you know, we, we had a, a similar discussion to this last week, but I guess it's kind of a, let's just kind of fantasy book this a certain way. So 1998, they get their doors blown off by 2011. This Kemba Walker guy, what do we do about him? So Rip Hamilton decides to come back to school. Kevin Freeman decides not to transfer the games. The gang sticks together and they're like, all right, we got to come for Kemba next year. So now a year later and a year better, here comes 1999, the number one overall seed in the tournament. And there's Kemba, the, uh, you know, all-American, you know, all-everything guard. And 1999 wants their revenge. Tim, what do you think? How does 99 fare in the rematch? I got to like 99 in the rematch. I mean, this is a team that was, you know, as close to, as close to perfect as we've had in UConn men's basketball history. And, you know, what, what they did in 99 was absurd with, you know, only losing twice. And one of those games was without Rip and without Jake Voskel. So, and the other one was a two-point loss against Tim James in Miami. Let's assume that Hamilton and Voskel are fully healthy. We're not worrying about, you know, some stress fracture in the leg for Voskel. We're not worrying about 
Hamilton being hurt. It's two healthy teams. 99 is a year older. They know what to expect from Kemba this time around. I, I think that's very bad news for Kemba. I think every, the, the 99 redemption tour after 98 was unbelievable. And this, is, this was clearly, you know, people consider it this upset that they beat Duke. No, this was the best team in the country in 99, and it showed all season. And it's, it's just going to be a long day for 2011, which, again, an unbelievable team. A team that did great things. A team that did something that I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I don't think any other team has, or very few, if any, have matched what 98-99 did, and that's beat 12 ranked teams during the regular during the season, regular and postseason. Um, 99 did that. 2011 did that. It would be a good game, but it, you know, with Rip Hamilton a year older, with Khaled Elamine a year older, Kevin Freeman, I mean that team's just going to have too much. They're going to be too deep. They're going to be too talented. They're going to be too big. And it's a 99 win. So curiously in this exercise, uh, the Kemba's 2011 team has not aged. So we're going to, we're going to do some weird time machine shenanigans to explain how that could possibly be the case. But (laughs) even still, um, you know, Kemba, you know, Kemba is Kemba. So, we need to, so what does 99 do maybe that they couldn't or that they didn't do last time that will allow them to stop him? Because that is still ultimately the name of the game. So, yes, Khaled Elamine is a sophomore now. So your, your Shabazz versus you know, Khaled matchup is maybe a little bit less of a you know, apples to apples like it was previously. Ricky Moore is now a senior. So obviously that's kind of you know the game right there. Can, can Ricky stop Kemba? So... How how what's different now, basically, in terms of what what ninety nine has to do to to actually st- slow down Kemba? Because that's nobody ever was able to do it. Like the only so far, the only thing that's ever been able to slow down Kemba, sadly, is Father Time. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Kemba. Unfortunately, like a victim of a salary dump of pretty epic proportions this week. But well, even still, we're talking two thousand eleven, not two thousand twenty one Kemba. So how does what what is ninety nine gonna do to to stop him this time? I think they have a, a bigger arsenal of players who will be able to stop him. I mean, obviously, Ricky Moore will be the main guy trying to stop him, but he'll have help defense from Rip. Um, he, they're going to have Freeman, who's going to be able to step in and you know take him when Kemba inevitably goes to the rim, or you know a combination of uh, Freeman and Voskel. Um, you're going to have Rashmel Jones rotating in, who was a defensive menace at times for, uh, for the 99 team coming off the bench. Uh, but Especially, you know, Ricky Moore's defensive game in 99 was outstanding. And, you know, with with him a year older and just doing what he did all season long, that's going to be that's gonna be big news for UConn, uh, or for 99, I should say. And, like I said, Hamilton being able to, being able to float over there and, you know, help with some, some double teams, kind of force Kemba into some pressure, because you're going to have... No, you're gonna have Ricky is obviously the main guy in him. You're gonna have Freeman taking care of Jeremy Lamb. Uh, you're gonna have Khalid on Shabazz, and you know the rest of the guy. You know Vasco is gonna be taking care of Oriaki, whoever's down low. So you're gonna have an opportunity for Hamilton to really get into some double team situations with Ricky Moore and try to isolate Kemba and kind of take him out of the game, which is obviously a tall task. But the more they can disrupt him, and obviously the defensive players around them are gonna be 
you know, they're going to be outstanding playing against, you know, freshman Shabazz, against freshman Jeremy Lamb, who are good players, no doubt. But, I mean, I think advantage 99 in those matchups still. So that's going to be the key is to, you know, try to force the double pressure on Kemba and then make it hard for him to get anyone else involved. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, you know, obviously I, I feel like – you know, I'm asking you some of the questions so far. So I'm the I'm as big a 2011 defender as any. So hit me with your best shot. What, what how what what uh, forced me to justify 2011 in this matchup then? Because I feel like I I feel like this is probably my responsibility to uh, to see if we can get 2011 some love in this poll. <laughs> well, I'll step away from Kemba because I know that you know I'm talking about the double team in Kemba, but we also know that he did the most unbelievable, ridiculous things that still don't sound real in 2011. And you and I were there for mostly every game. So I don't, uh, I think we witnessed some things with our own eyes that still defy belief. But, um, you know, looking at the guys who are going to have to help out around him, you know, you think you're going to have Jeremy Lamb being, uh, being up against Kevin Freeman. You're going to have Shabazz up against Kyle Elamine, Oriaki against Vosco. Roscoe Smith is going to have to deal with, you know, a combination of, um, or I should say, it would, it would probably be Hamilton on Lamb and Freeman on Roscoe. Yeah. No, Tim, I, I'm asking you to, to ask me me a question, basically, so yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I'm just listing that out because I'm like, I'm looking at those matchups and I'm just looking like, how, like, how the hell does any of Kemba's supporting cast deal with the fact that they have those matchups to deal with? Like, who's, like. Jeremy Lamb is obviously the the number two guy on this 2011 team. What the heck does he do against Richard Hamilton on either end of the floor that, you know, gets him into the game offensively or takes Hamilton out of the game defensively? Well, I think in his case, so Jeremy Lamb is probably the, well, Kemba's the X factor, obviously, but Jeremy Lamb was the other X factor because 1999, like, as talented as they are, they don't really have like a match for him per se. So, you know, Rip Hamilton would probably or could pop probably guard Lamb, but depending on the lineup, you know, you may have Niels Giffey out there and maybe that's just, maybe his job is to just try to shut down Rip as best he can. So Jeremy, I'm not worried about Lamb's ability to score on Rip. I mean, it's a tough matchup, but he's capable, you know, the, the people need to remember Jeremy Lamb has been playing in the NBA for a decade now, basically, you know, what is it? Nine years, I think since, yeah. yeah, something like that. I mean, that's that's no small feat. So he's obviously like super talented in terms of his size. I mean, he's six five, so like he's going to be capable of keeping up with. You know, Rip's not just going to be able to like hold up his arms and just you know that's the end of that. You know, quickness wise, athleticism. Jeremy is like honestly one of the more underrated players in UConn history. Really, I mean, he kind of snuck up on everybody, and next thing you know, it's like oh, actually he's a a two year college guy, and now he's a ten year NBA player. You know. Yeah. It's pretty good. So, Jer- <laughs> so Jeremy's going to be a factor here. And so how the 2011 decides to deal with Rip will be interesting. But as we discussed last week, there's precedent. They were able to take care of Kawhi Leonard, who is, I mean, as great a comp in this kind of thing as we're ever really going to find, right? Yeah. So, and it's not like Kawhi was the only one. 2011 played in the 2011 Big East, one of the best college basketball conferences ever. I mean, what's better? Like, I guess 2009. I would argue the best. Yeah, I mean, 2009, I think, is the only other conference I can think that's, like, really even close. And maybe there's a – I don't know. You could make the case that maybe the ACC had a great team or the Big Ten, but whatever. Those – 
those teams were crazy good. They had lots of super like talented athletes. And 2011 played a great non-conference too. Like they played Kentucky. They played Kentucky twice actually in, in the tournament once and then in the Maui Invitational. You got yeah. Michigan State. You had they played. They played a lot of really good Texas teams. Texas away. Texas. Yes, exactly. Then yeah. you know, no, there's no shortage of other examples. So you know they they will f- figure out a way to keep Rip from going crazy. I mean nobody really blew up against them like in a really like you know, shocking manner. Like Rip's not going to go for yeah. 36 points on 2011. That team was a better defensive team than people really remember. And, you know, at, if you can keep Rip in check, then, you know, all you got to do really is, well, well, you have to do a lot more than all you got to do, but you know, Kemba needs to do his thing. And if Jeremy can give you 15 or, or you know, solid points like that, that's, you know, you're, that's like pretty close to the recipe for success. And then after that, it's going to come down to those little plays and 2011, they made a lot of those little plays, like you know the Jamal Coombs McDaniel rebound to set up Kemba's famous shot against Pitt, for example. Like they made those I plays. I argue is more important than the shot itself. All, the, exactly. The way he came down with that. That was amazing. So 99 and 2011 are probably two of the greatest UConn basketball teams at just making winning plays. So that's yeah. really like when we're talking about how this would go, we're we're talking about the last five possessions of the game because these matchups. They're good. These teams are good enough to figure each other out. And so that's where, you know, a player like Jeremy Lamb or maybe a player like Kevin Freeman or maybe a player like Khaled, ultimately one of those guys is going to do something awesome that's going to decide it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 fascinating to think. I, I, I'm worried that this matchup could be a blowout in favor of 99, but it shouldn't be because 2011 is capable of competing with these guys. So Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, it's, you know, I think, you know, Head to head, when you just look at the when you look at them on paper, it's really easy. And I obviously I've been guilty of it in the last ten minutes, uh, heavily favoring ninety nine. But I think you just made a lot of great points about this two thousand eleven team. That you know, you think even when you go down like into the benches, when we start talking about this team, I you know, for me, I would you know, I would still favor the bench that has you know Suleiman Wan and Rashmel Jones and all those guys coming off because. You know, I, I really I love watching that team produce, but Jamal Coombs McDaniel, you know, he can have a huge offensive rebound in the final seconds. He can also go for three straight games with twenty plus points, as we saw. He, one of he the, the one of the arsenal. most absurd oh. facts in like, UConn history. I can't believe that that happened. <laughs> that was one of the greatest weeks ever. I couldn't believe it. Like I'm sitting there watching it, I'm like. Is Jamal Coombs McDaniel the new best player on this team? Like, I was just, like, caught in the moment like that. I was convinced for a moment that UConn was going to win the national championship, not for all the re- the practical reasons or why it actually happened, but all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, so this team all of a sudden has, like, Jamal Coombs McDaniels and, all, like, a Big East, all Big East player now? What the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The year... That year produced so many weird stretches of games in the best way possible. It was amazing um but yeah i think that's the thing like both these teams they knew like you said they knew how to close out they knew how to win games and you know it wasn't always it wasn't hamilton always with the ball in his hand at the end of the game Khalid Alamin had quite a few last possession winning shots in his in his yukon days i was there for the last one against west virginia in 2000 that's one of my favorite games i've ever been to and uh but obviously, I think the defining one for uh, for the '99 team would be that away win against Pitt, where uh, I mean the the way they won that game, you know, chasing down the ball and you know just 
gunning it, not worrying about, you know, letting it go out of bounds, letting it, you know, getting a timeout. I don't even know if they had one left, but there was a lot of surprise about them actually, you know, getting the ball and, you know, setting up for a final play. And sure enough, El Amin goes to the rim, kind of Ray Allen style in the from 96, and they get the W. And that was, I mean, I think that, like, that 10-second sequence said a lot about the 99 team's ability to win games. Um, but you had... Kemba against Pittsburgh. You had uh, Kemba against Texas because I, you know, we talk about the the three pointer he hit against Texas to beat the shot clock, but he also won that game with a step back that looked exactly like the one he would later have against Pitt. Um, the floater against Villanova. The that was a big one. one the, yeah, that was amazing. Um, they they both had their share of fantastic final possession wins, and you know it. A situation where you know either team could win. Whoever has the ball in the final possession, you gotta like their chances of winning the game. I think with, I think with 2011, you know this is this is before Shabazz really blossomed into the the guy for the theatric incredible shot at the end of the game. But you know we know that that was in his potential. But um, you know Jeremy Lamb was a. Uh, was an effective scorer, but it was always going to be Kemba with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. With 99, they have a couple more weapons. You've got Rip, you've got El Amin. Those would be the main guys with the ball in their hand. But, um, yeah, I mean, it would be wild either way. Yeah, definitely. And I think we need to just, you know, shout out 2011 for this too. I mean, they didn't only win games late. They they had some real, like, just beatdowns too. I think memorably yeah. Kentucky and the Maui Invitational. I, I don't know if I've ever had as much fun watching a game as that where you're just sitting back and you're like, wow, they're just putting Kentucky in the trash. This is That's amazing. It, like, what were they? they were up by like 20 points with like, I don't know, five minutes to play in the first half. I mean, they it was over like before it even started. It was shocking, but awesome. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Good times. That, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So um. Yeah. So we'll we'll let you all decide how, kind of what to make of this. Uh, I I think this this deserves to be a close matchup. I hope you all see yeah. it that way too. But who knows? We'll 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 see how this plays out. Um. This next one, I I think really I I'd be shocked if it's not like a really like another kind of fifty fifty kind of thing because, boy oh boy, uh, we have some dudes <laughs> on this team on these teams I should say. Uh, 2004, uh, led by Emeka Okafor, won the national championship and were just frankly one of the the. If 2000, if 99 was like the team that the breakthrough team that finally kind of you know put UConn as like a championship program, 2004 was like no, like we're not that that was not a fluke. We're not like a one you know you know great you know recruiting class wonder. And then next thing you know, like this team comes in, it's just like, oh wow, like UConn's a blue blood, like we're all we're all in big yeah. trouble now. Um, yeah, so you got your you got uh, Emeka Okafor, you got Ben Gordon, um, you know, you got uh, freshman Charlie Villanueva, you got Josh Boone, Hilton Armstrong, Marcus Williams, Denim Brown, Rashad Anderson, Talik Brown. I mean, my God, like just that's like I just named like eight or nine, like really, really like. <laughs> Ranging from like really good to legitimately all time like great college basketball players right there like so 2004 super talented super deep and then 99 uh, sorry 2009 kind of the same deal you know Hashim the beat you know uh, he and Mecca Okafor both picked uh, number two overall in their respective drafts both of them were among the best defensive players in the country best all around players in the country uh, Hashim obviously seven foot three <laughs> just one of the just most gigantic human beings ever to walk through stores Connecticut. 
Um, you know, you got your Jeff Adrian, you know, a little bit comparatively undersized, but like played as big as anybody ever. AJ Price, the point guard, you had freshman Kemba, pretty good. Jerome Dyson, pretty good. Stanley Robinson. I mean, you talk about athletes. I mean, God, <laughs> the human highlight reel, as I called him his entire college career. Absolutely. And then, you know, plenty other, you know, really solid role guys too. Tim, what other than like a black hole just opening on the court because of just how much like you know power is on the court at this moment? What what do we, what happens? What 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 should we expect if these two teams were to face off? Madness. I think that that that's it. It's gonna be. It would be absolutely wild to see these two teams play against each other. We were talking about how great the oh nine oh six matchup was. This is like this takes it to a new level. I mean. You're going to have Emeka against Hashim. You're going to have, you know, Ben Gordon against that that front, that backcourt from 09. And you're going to have some of the best matchups. You're going to have, how many did we say? We're going to have 11 NBA players on the floor. We're not going to, there are going to be NBA players on the bench at every point in this game. Like, that's insane. <laughs> so, yeah. We're in for a really fun time, if, like in this hypothetical matchup. This would be like this. This to me is the matchup of the tournament so far. Yeah, I think what makes me excited is that we get this right after the 2006 one because yeah. 2006 is one of the biggest and most athletic teams in UConn history and arguably ever. However, as we discussed it, we realized, wait a minute. 2006 has a problem. They're big guys who are used to just dominating and dunking on everybody are legitimately undersized against Hashim Thabit. They would not be used to this. So, Emeka Okafor is certainly at another level of any of those other guys. You know, yeah. we're talking about the National Player of the Year. We're talking about one of the, you know, the great all-around players in UConn history. He would also be notably undersized against Hashim. But unlike those other guys, Emeka is probably good enough and talented enough where that may not really matter. But... He's still never seen anybody like Hashim. So I'd be yeah. fascinated in seeing like him go out in the court and be like, Geez, I got to like deal with this guy. Who the, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, is this dude like, it's like from outer space. What the hell? Like I got to like bang with this dude or right, shoot, screw whatever. I'll go out and, you know, do, do my thing. So, yeah. and on the flip side, you know, Hashim is used to, well, Hashim is bigger than everybody. And for the most part, he's used to guys who are like, you know, a lot of the bigs and he was dealing with were usually like bruisers, but Emeka Okafor is just a, a more polished player than he'd ever saw at UConn. Yeah. So, what do we make of this? Is Hashim gonna be the one that's come out on top just because of his overwhelming size and physical advantages, or is Emeka just gonna outsmart him and just like just absolutely take him to the Tim Duncan school of do- like post dominance? And uh, <laughs> oh, I love that reference. What do we? Yeah, what do we what do we make of this? Because I, I that could legitimately go either way. What do we What do you think? I <laughs> I don't think there's a wrong answer here. I would say, I would say advantage Emeka, just because, like you said, like he he was always able. If you know, he never he never really had many size differences, but you would always back him in every situation. This is obvious, but obviously, this is talking about a guy who's seven foot three in Hashim, but. You know, Emeka Okafor is one of the best defensive players UConn's ever seen, and one of the best we've seen in college in a very long time. And the things like 
the way he was able to play his entire career, but especially this 0-4 season. I mean, you look at his numbers, they're just absurd. With, you know, forget about forget about his 17 points, just 11.5 rebounds and 4.1 blocks. I'm not saying he's going to... He's going to block four shots against Hashim to be. He's not. But he's going to be, like, he can disrupt him enough. He's one of the smartest. He's one of the, you know, toughest players that UConn's ever had. And Hashim was amazing. And he was obviously big. He's got the size advantage. But, man, the, it, it's just so hard to, to bet against a Mecca Okafor. Yeah, this is so fascinating because I could absolutely see a scenario where both of these guys have over 10 rebounds. They both yeah. potentially have double-digit points. And it's possible they may both end up blocking like four or five of each other's shots. I mean, wouldn't that be something? I mean, I think Hashim absolutely probably gets a Mecca two or three times at least. But oh, yeah. Okafor, I don't think will really be bothered all that much. It'll just be like, okay, well, that that's probably just going to – that's probably inevitable. You know, I'll just try to get him like <laughs> – I'll try to score like three or four baskets for every block he gets and we'll be in good shape. So yeah. that'd be, boy, that would be so much fun. Um, Cause yeah, that's, that's one thing that 06 did not have is quite somebody quite at his level in the front court to match with the beat. And the other thing 2004 has that 2006 did not have was uh, a much more balanced and talented backcourt. So 2006, you know, Marcus Williams was really like kind of the guy. Whereas 2004, I mean, you got Ben Gordon, you also have Talik Brown and you know, depending on the lineup you've got out there, you'll probably also have Rashad Anderson and, you know, any any number of other dudes too. So, uh, and of course, you know, 09, you have AJ Price, pretty good. <laughs> Jerome Dyson, who for our, because Twitter asked me this a couple times. Yes, Jerome Dyson is healthy for this matchup. Of course, we're not letting, yes. we're, we're going with a full strength here. So he's out there and you got freshman Kemba who, you know, maybe he wasn't quite like, you know, 2011 Kemba, but he was still pretty good. I mean, ask Missouri, yeah. ask Kim English what he thought of what Kemba was like in, in the tournament. So um, I, I'm, in, I'm very interested in seeing how this goes uh, because these guys all match up interestingly against one another. You know, there's no obvious physical yeah. advantage here either. So um, I guess we'll start with this. Uh, ben Gordon is obviously the, the go-to scorer. So what does 2009 do to slow him down? What's the, what's the game plan, you think? Oof, that's, uh, I think you got to hope that Jerome Dyson has a really good defensive game on him. I think that's going to be the key, is uh, if Dyson can keep him in front of him, keep him from getting to the rim, I mean, you're still going to have to deal with uh, with a great shooter when it, when it comes to Ben Gordon, but the more you can disrupt him, get a hand in his face, keep him from getting to the rim, but then, you know, if he does slash by you and make a move, you, again, like with we talked about Kemba in the last matchup, you're going to have to really rely on help defense. And I can think of, you know, if if you don't have, if before he even gets to Hashim, I can think of another piece of military equipment, as I used to describe Jeff Adrian, who uh, who's going to have to probably put a few bruises on Gordon too to try to slow him down. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, so you know the 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 fours in this matchup are as as big and tough as any you'll find. Because, you know, Adrian will be kind of the, the guy who's going to come to knock you over if you're slashing to the rim for 2009. And on the flip side, you know, Charlie Villanueva and probably Josh Boone are going to just be like haymakering people left and right on the other side, too. Yeah. Um, I have doubts about Jerome Dyson's ability to slow down Gordon. But it's yes. what you just said, like the guys in the front court, like Gordon's not going to have an easy time slashing to the basket. So it's going to be a shooting game primarily, I would think. 
And um, it could go just as easily the other way with Dyson, who, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he was really mostly best as a slasher. I don't recall ever thinking of him as being like, wow, that guy's a great shooter. Was yeah, I, I agree with Am that. I wrong? Yeah, because I, I feel like so it, it's like inter- it could it feels like advantage Gordon, but like it's debatable how big an advantage um, the point guards. On the other hand, it's like Talik Brown and AJ Price are both seniors this year. So that's that's really interesting and really good because, uh, you know, you got the experience thing going. AJ Price, yeah. however, a much, much, much better shooter. So how do we, how, what do we feel about that dynamic? Because both of them, are n- no problem distributing. I, I don't see how that, that changes regardless. But um, do we feel like AJ Price is the more valuable player in this matchup or is Talik maybe, is that being disrespectful to Talik's game? Uh, I mean... You know, it, it's hard to ignore the fact you were just talking about, you know, the distributing the ball. I mean, Talik was amazing in that regard in in 2004. Um, I definitely agree with Price as the better shooter. Um, it's It would be an interesting matchup for sure. I mean, if we were just talking about, you know, if we were talking about it's going to be hard for both. Like, I think it might be, it would be hard for both of these teams for their guards to to get to the rim, obviously you're dealing with guys like a Mecca and and Adrian and to beat and Villanueva and Boone. So you're going to need your backcourt to, to be shooters and AJ price definitely advantage over Talik Brown there a little bit, but you know, Talik also, we know he can hit those shots. He, yeah, he, he stepped up when it counted. And you know, of course, if we're, if this becomes like a, all right, like both teams are just swatting the, like every time anybody goes to the rim, you're either like in a sneak a, like a basket or a layup in there, or more likely you're just going to get like blocked into the sun, no yeah. matter which side. I mean, these are the two, two of the best shot blocking teams ever. Like just in general. I mean, can, yeah, the idea of just going to the rim against either of these teams makes me, it, well, it's not what you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it and doesn't... I should say, you know, like Talik wasn't, you know, Talik wasn't the best shooter, but at the same time, you know, if you do have to get guys open for shots and like, let's say like, let's say the guards on both teams are getting open for shots, then give me Ben Gordon, give me Rashad Anderson. Right. And I'm, and I think I'm going to have a good day. Um, I was just going to bring up Rashad Anderson because like, if you, if you're, if this becomes a shooting gallery, you have Rashad there and that's a valuable and dangerous weapon. So, Yeah, between Gordon and Anderson, that's 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 tough. And then ninety, you know, oh nine obviously has Price. They have uh, you know Dyson. You know, he's able to you know do he can do his thing to a certain extent in this case. And Kemba, you know, not a bad shooter either. Even if he's you know wasn't really as great a shooter as he ever you know as he became later. So yeah. um, this is interesting, like in terms of like their the bench depth, both these teams have some pretty you know solid options. Uh, Stanley Robinson is a big wild card. Um, I don't know if 2004, like, as athletic as they are, I don't know if anybody was quite as athletic as Stanley, but obviously he was super unreliable. Like, you never, you could never be sure whether he was going to go for 30 or if he was just going to go for two. Like, it was li- yeah. literally that big a range. So let's say good Stanley shows up. What the hell does 2004 do to keep him from just to totally dunking all over everybody? <laughs> you hope that Charlie Villanueva has a really good game. Um, I mean,. It's obviously, you know, it's going to come down to him and Emeka kind of just like clogging the lane and, you know, getting their hands up at the rim and just trying to stop them from, you know, posterizing both of them into oblivion. Um, you know, I, you know, if you're looking for, I, 
like I'm trying to think of you know someone who might be able to slow him down before he gets to the rim. I don't I don't know if Charlie necessarily would you know come out and meet him on the wing. That might be a Denim Brown kind of situation where you try to get Denim in front of him and um, you know obviously Denim's not going to have the have the size there. But if you can slow him down and keep him from from uh, going getting airborne and going for the dunk, then uh, you know that's that saves Villanueva and Emeka some trouble. So. That would be an interesting matchup for sure. I mean, if you get if you get the if you get the Stanley, who's gonna get people out of their seats the way he did against Texas? I mean, obviously, I'm just thinking about the one play against Texas, but from what I remember, he was pretty solid that day. Um, it's gonna be it could be a tough day. Yeah, definitely. So um, last, I think last matchup wise, I feel like we should talk about um, the fours in this this game are just absolutely it's out of control. You have either Charlie Villanueva or Josh Boone. You can take your pick, whichever one of them you want in the court first. And you have Jeff Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, uh, that I, I I feel like I, I'm getting bruises all over just thinking about it. Um, yeah. I don't. I feel like that's a wash. But like, what do you what do you think about just the idea of just those guys just swinging elbows all over the court at each other? Do you think? Uh, am I wrong? Like, is there a, is there a clear advantage here? Or is like, or what do you, what do you think? You know, it's funny because you know we were talking about you know how do we deal like how does a mecca deal with the size difference? Well, Jeff Adrian is obviously a few inches shorter than Charlie. He's a few inches shorter than Boone, but he makes up for it by just being this unbelievable physical imposing presence he's not going to be intimidated by that i kind of i i would say it's a push because i think they like they all bring different things to the floor and they all do those things very very well and you know they were they were insanely productive i mean i think you can kind of look at villanueva and adrian's numbers and you know adrian you know he was he had more points but they both like they both did their thing on both ends of the floor i think you know, he's not going to be intimidated by being three inches shorter or four inches shorter than whoever he's up against. He's going to he's gonna look at his muscles and be like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, Jeff Adrian and, was undersized against everybody he ever played against, and it never yeah, mattered. Like, he, exactly. He's one of those guys where, like, it's kind of like Charles Barkley was like this, where you look at their, like, their height and their, their profile like that, and you're like, oh, that guy's like, how's he going to stand up against these guys who are, like, four or five inches taller? And then they step on the court, and they just start, like, drop kicking them all over the place and you're like oh okay <laughs> so you take you take blocks out of it he effectively had the same numbers as Hashim to beat in 2009 they both averaged 13.6 points he had you know Hashim had 10.8 rebounds Adrian had 9.9 obviously you know Adrian had you know one more assist per game he even averaged 1.2 blocks compared to to beat's 4.2 i mean he did the work that year. He like he effectively averaged a double double and was a beast defensively. I mean that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's yeah, I and mean, he did it with so much swagger too. Like mm. you know, the thing about Jeff Adrian is that he was a really effective heel. Like he would make the opposing crowds hate him. Like <laughs> look no further than the 2009 game at Louisville. It was a, I believe a one. It was a it was a big Monday matchup. I believe both teams were in the top five at the time, and Jeff Adrian just stunted all over them. He put Louisville in the trash, and then he started doing like the the Conor McGregor walk before that was even a thing, and like everybody in Assembly Hall was just like. <laughs> I don't think anybody threw trash at him, but they all clearly wanted to. They were like, this, this freaking yeah. guy, like get him. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
You're right. Uh, you're right about that. By the way, UConn was number one. Louisville was number five, and they took them behind. Like they took them behind the freaking school. They beat them sixty-eight to fifty-one. And I'm just looking real quick. Yeah, Adrian, eighteen points, seven rebounds. You know, he didn't have any blocks, but I mean, he was a beast. I what a that that's incredible looking at that performance and. Um, you know, Stanley Robinson started but only played two minutes. I don't remember if he got hurt or if he, or yeah, no, he got two fouls in the first two he, minutes. He 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 didn't and, play very much because the yeah. the Louisville was basically just trying to do their full court press thing on them. So yeah. Calhoun was like, "All right, well, I'll just use all my guards and then basically just bench Stanley for the game." And it yeah. proceeded <laughs> to just absolutely annihilate them, like to 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 a shocking degree, honestly. So uh, shout out to two thousand nine. They used to just totally smoke people. 2004 also did smoke a lot of people. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it'll, it'll be a, it'd be something. Um, I, I can't clash of the Titans here. I, I can't this say enough incredible. great things. Like I think 2000, this is actually an appropriate matchup. I think I just as 99 and 2011 were the greatest winners ever in UConn history. I feel whereas these two teams, I think are just, just the most outrageously talented. And obviously, you know, that's not to diminish that, you know, their winning qualities either, but like, it does yeah. feel like, these are the appropriate battles. So that way, whichever teams win and face in the finals, you do have that element of like, here's, here's your like, just like awesome winning basketball team. And then here is the team that was assembled in a lab in outer space. And they've come to destroy, destroy the world. (laughs) It's kind of crazy that these two teams combined lost 11 games. Like, and I say that as in like, that's a lot of games that they lost between the two of them. Like, the way like these teams were that good that it just like it like it kind of defies belief that one went 31 and five and the other lost six times like that like i i can't like i still can't believe i i think oh nine could have won the national championship if dyson stayed healthy but man that's just like these were unbelievable basketball teams you know what's funny is that 99 and 2011 also combined to lose 11 games too Except oh, that's a good point. Yeah, it's funny how that worked out. Two thousand ninety nine, great basketball team. <laughs> which is news which is news to absolutely nobody. Yeah. They combined to they combined to win eleven games, which means they won they won those ninety nine and eleven combined to win more than twice as many games against ranked opponents than they lost in total. And most of their losses were to ranked opponents as well. Pretty good. It's pretty yeah, good stuff. Not bad. These are good, you know, UConn, good basketball school, it turns out. Yeah, Isn't that something? It's, it's not bad. So speaking of speaking of UConn being a good basketball school, I don't know if you saw, but within the last hour, um, Team USA announced its women's basketball roster. And uh, you care to guess how many uh, UConn women are <laughs> on the team? I saw, so I think that you should just uh, you should just share the number because it's uh, it's quite good. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's five. Uh, five Huskies out of 12 on their roster. Am I correct on that? <laughs> I believe so. Let me uh, let me double check. So I know that we uh, got Sue Bird and D- Diana Tarazi are back, which, I mean, you're a little bit more of like into the, the WNBA kind of thing as me. I was a little surprised by that. Is that like, like, I know, I know they're, they're both amazing, but I, I just was like, wow, they're like, what is They're that? still crushing it. I know. I know they're still I really actually, good, but like, yeah. I was like, are they really like, like make the Olympic team good still? <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think so. Especially you know, the Sue's been Sue's been crushing it with the storm. I haven't watched Tarasi as much with the Mercury, but from what I've seen from her earlier this year, she 
she's done, she's had a couple of big games so far this year. She they're they're both still doing quite well. Yeah. Well, um, I got the full list. So it is five out of yeah. twelve. So Sue and DT are both there. Uh, Nafisa Collier, shout out to our girl, is making her first Olympic team, which is awesome. Uh, Brianna Stewart is back. Big shocker. Tina Charles is back. Big shocker. So yeah, then you know, rounding out the list, you've got a uh, a good our, our old nemesis Skylar Diggins Smith, um, hey. who you know, hey, we're all you know, when it comes to the international game, she's cool, but you know, <laughs> yeah. good good times uh, playing against her, obviously. Uh, you got Ariel Atkins, Jewel Lloyd, Chelsea Gray, uh, Sylvia Fowles, Asia Wilson, and Brittany Griner. They are all all uh, going to Tokyo to just just figuratively and in some cases literally dunk all over everybody. UConn, good basketball yes. school. <laughs> yeah, and let's not forget that there might still be some UConn players who get named to the three on uh, the three on three team because a few UConn players had their uh, had their role in getting us to uh, getting us to the Olympics on that team as well. Gonna be good stuff. Um, when yeah. when exactly do the Olympics start? Like, uh, is that I'm wondering? Is that like a post uh, post baby thing, or is that a we, we will we be able to get a get a last episode in about that? I think it's the third week of July. Oh, I, I should probably know this because of work. All right, well, I'm I'm toast then. That's not gonna that's not gonna yeah. happen. <laughs> I'll be I'll July twenty third to August eighth is right. the Olympic Games. Good. All right. Perfect. Well, you know what that means. I'll be able to to sit on the couch with a little you know new newborn baby watching the olympics that'll sounds like a honestly that sounds like a great way to pass uh pass the time while the baby is sleeping and yeah and, and, and not sleeping <laughs> mostly not sleeping probably <laughs> oh man um i don't know tim i feel like that's a good spot uh to leave it at you've got um any other thoughts before we leave this to the people to give us our final um on, on these four teams i just think that this is absolutely the right final four i think these are the four best teams and in men's basketball history for the program and the like just talking about these matchups was so much fun because they're so freaking good both all these teams it's just like we're, we're talking about like how to shut each of them down and it's just like well good luck with that i really want to see Emeka and Hashim play each other and you know what the funny thing is like i would like that i would take that like today like in 2021 like yeah. i think Hashim, as far as i know is still in pretty good shape i i think I don't know what he's been doing, but I know that he's still like, I, I see him pop up in like basketball related things occasionally. So I know he's still like, he could still go. And Emeka, I don't know what he's up to as far as injuries and stuff goes, but like if those two decided to play a pickup game at like the local park, I would absolutely stop what I'm doing and watch like a hundred percent. So, um, no doubt about that. yeah, I'm sure that's probably happened before for being honest. I, I, I'm sure it probably happened a lot in 2009. I'm, I'm sure whenever Emeka was like, you know, not busy with uh, the NBA, they probably swung by and I'm sure there were some pretty legendary battles. If I ever, I, if I ever get a chance to like, I don't know, meet Jim Calhoun at like a, I don't know, a charity event or something like that, that might be the first question I ask. I'd just be like, so uh, Emeka and Hashim, did they ever play? What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This, like, this is all, like I said earlier, Clash of the Titans stuff. Yeah, going to be good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, um, thank you guys all for listening as always. Uh, we're coming down to the wire. So um, I will have uh, – so, yeah, so you guys can all follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. 
and uh, I will have the uh, the two semifinal polls posted. Uh, so you're listening to this on uh, Tuesday, so I'll have everything posted. Uh, you know, by before noon on Tuesday, and voting will be open for three days, so through Friday afternoon, pr- around noon time, roughly. And um, yeah, well, yeah, we'll just you know, you guys pick. Uh, you know, you have the '99 versus 2011. You have 2004 versus 2009, and you guys all pick and determine who our finalists are going to be. It's going to be fun. So um, yeah, so you guys keep an eye out for those polls there. And in the meantime, you can also reach us by email at yesuconpodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, you know, the drill, leave us, you know, Apple, you know, leave us five star reviews on Apple podcasts and all that good stuff. And uh, we'll be back next week for our final match of the tournament. Who will it be? We'll, we'll have that's up to you. So you guys all be good and I will catch you all later. You have a good one. Yeah.